Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. On this episode of First of the Floor, we uh, lament a sad, disappointing loss to the Hawks. And Jack Simone of Celtics Blog joins us to talk about the Hawks game and break down his awesome story about Derek White up next. Who's going to be first to the floor here? And it was Marcus Smart as he usually is. That's the first time we've seen a superstar in Green and White sacrifice the body. Spoonie here for First to the Floor, and I am joined by Hot Take Jake, the man with the mistress, Jake Eisenberg. How you doing, Jake? I need game three to start as soon as possible. Four. That's four. That's right. Game four. Yeah. Jeez, and and also with yeah. us here uh, is uh, another Jay, Jack Simone of Celtics Blog and the How About Them Seas podcast, who just wrote an absolutely awesome piece on Derek White, just called Legend, which is a badass <laughs> title in and of itself. Next. So, Jack, how you doing, man? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you for having me on the show. I give credit to uh, almighty Celtics blog editor Bill Sy for the title. It was all <laughs> him. I gave him credit. It's a nod to Derek White's high school, but uh, I can't take credit for that part. That's all Bill. Ah, come on. No. Yeah. <laughs> Bill is wonderful. He has given me many like my titles will just be like terrible. And exactly. It, and then he publishes it. I'm like, oh, that's a way better title. So, yeah, he's the best. <laughs> Shout out to Bill. Um, all right, gentlemen, I guess we have to get into this game, unfortunately, uh, even though it was quite <laughs> disappointing so like first thing you know how we'd like to start our uh, post game pods jake what's the main takeaway for you from this one maybe the biggest factor in the loss I, yeah i thought it was a a combo i'll rank i rank rebounding at number one um with defense but like unfortunately felt a little bit classic yeah, I think the classic line is you can't you can't fake desperation. It felt like the Hawks were definitely playing a lot more desperate than the Celtics yeah. going back into Atlanta. Um, that would be my would be my take on that one, Jack. Yeah, me and my uh, my co-host Sam recorded right after the game last night. We got into a fight because he obviously was really <laughs> mad about the rebounding, uh, and I, uh, the rebounding obviously was the big thing. But my point was that was the fewest offensive rebounds the Hawks had in a game this series. They had 14 in game one. They had 19 in game two. I actually, wrote about it for Celtics blog uh, after or just now. It's coming out tomorrow, but. As much as the rebounding was a problem, and I, I do agree it was probably like the most glaring, I think the like other obvious thing is like the Hawks just found a way to score this game, right? The, the, Haw- the Celtics decided to play drop defense. Trey Young finally found a rhythm. Jante Murray was making a lot of shots. Uh, three players off the bench hit threes that hadn't usually been hitting him. Bogdanovich was hitting threes in game two, but Sadiq Bey started making his threes. Jalen Johnson started making his threes. So the, yeah. the Hawks shot making was just through the roof in game three. And, and that's not a, a knock, you know, to say the Celtics – 
you know, did nothing wrong. Obviously the defense left a lot to be desired and they didn't get on the glass as much as they needed to. But like that, that was the biggest thing for me. The Hawks finally found a way to score. And now we got to see how the Celtics respond. Yeah, the shot making was getting pretty ridiculous for the Hawks. I rewatched their first half offensive possessions uh, this afternoon because I have no life and no other better (laughs) things to do. Um, Yeah, Jalen Johnson went two for three from three. Like, look, if that's the game we're going to lose, that's the game we're going to lose. But they start the second quarter with a bogey eight foot floater with three hands in his face, a Jalen Johnson three and a bogey fall away baseline turnaround with Derek White in his face. That was their first three buckets in the second quarter so the shot making was just absolutely crazy i mean jake i'll pose this to you i mean obviously the different like al kind of got roasted a little bit this game rob williams was not super impactful do you think how the hawks played is sustainable like can we see this again are we gonna go seven (laughs) i and this is a great point. The Hawks, the Hawks can score, man. Like yeah. the Hawks can fill it up. And I like, I had a little look at the, the numbers. We knew this coming in. The Hawks have a good offense, but like, you know, I think it's easy when you're a Celtics fan or you're covering the Celtics, like to, to lose the context more broadly about what's going on around the rest of the league. And like, you know, when the playoffs start, you're able to, it feels like I'm able to like watch kind of more of everything. And, you know, the Hawks are probably in the same category as, you know, the Nets, the T-Wolves and the Heat. They're probably the four worst playoff teams um the Clippers maybe fall into that now without Kawhi and Paul George but honestly the Clips have looked pretty solid um even without um, yeah Kawhi like today they were really good and Paul but, George hasn't played yeah. has he no exactly yeah. so I think on paper maybe you would think the Clippers but those four teams Hawks Heat T-Wolves and Nets are the worst four teams but of those four the Hawks are like the only team that's even close to an elite unit since the deadline fourth best offense in the league um, the next closest unit is the T-Wolves defense at 14 in the league since the deadline and so like Ugh. <laughs> the, the Hawks are the, yeah it's pretty it's pretty gross and so like you know everybody I was you know everybody's watching the Nets games praying and hoping that they can like pull one out. But like, there's a reason they weren't able to pull those games out. And if you contrast the game three that the Nets played against the Sixers versus the Hawks game, the Nets couldn't make a shot for like the entire fourth quarter. Joe Harris is like now a, like a lifelong enemy of mine after missing three (laughs) of those wide open threes. Um, Like there's a reason they weren't able to get over, but the Hawks have a really good off, really good offense. Um, And especially when bogey's hitting, logo threes um, and they were comfortable I think yeah Jackie hit on it the defense was I think defense was better in the second half for sure um, they started to string stops together but you know you get you let a team get comfortable ice tray that kind of stuff gets going and and all of a sudden that confidence leads to hitting some really really tough shots and that was kind of the story yeah Jack <laughs> yeah it's just once Trey Young gets going, like you said, once Shashante Murray gets going, once they see the ball, it's it's like the most basic thing you can say, but like once you see the ball go through the basket, you're probably going to make some more shots, right? <clears throat> that's what they always say on the broadcast, and that's what kind of happened for Trey Young. So for the Celtics, and now it's just about adjusting. You heard Joe Mazzulla today come out and say, you know, get a rebound with some expletives in there to Robert Williams. Like <laughs> they're clearly not happy about the rebounding, so I assume that's going to be a bigger priority. Marcus Smart. I mean, put his entire body on the line to try to get one rebound in the fourth quarter. They had, I think the Hawks got five offensive boards in the fourth alone out of their 11. Yeah. So, like, it was the timeliness of it, too. But uh, on top of that, I'm sure you guys are going to bring this up, too. Like, 
at the end of the day, I tweeted this out. Trey Young and DeJounte Murray made their shots. Jason Tatum, J- Jalen Brown didn't. Like in the fourth quarter, it, it, like at some point, it might just be as simple as that because JT was 0 for 5 from 3 in the second half. Jalen Brown had a rough shooting night and Trey and DeJounte did not. And and I will give credit to the rest of the Celtics. Almost everybody else on the Celtics played extremely well. But when your two stars aren't making shots, it's going to be hard to win games. Yeah, Jack, correct me if I'm wrong, but you're a big Grant Williams guy, are you? I not? am. Yeah, so you must be pretty <laughs> pumped. Uh, I was, hey, we, I, I blocked an entire like five minute segment on our podcast we recorded last night just so I could brag to Sam about how great Grant Williams played. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll get to some individual performances and Grant will definitely get discussed because he's back, baby. He was playing yeah. confident. So, yeah, I, it just seemed like to me, I always felt like this series was going to be five, which means the Hawks have to win a game at some point. But, uh, you know, I can't help but be a little worried, even though I know rationally we're just a much better team. But I, I just the way they won, the fact that it felt like they're making all these shots, Tatum and Brown are having – well, Tatum was – pretty hot in the first half, but then cooled off big time in the second half. Jalen couldn't literally 0 for 4 from 3. Um, and still, it was a one-possession game with like a two minutes left, right? Like, even if all the stuff going the right way for the Hawks, um, you know, the Celtics were still like a rebound and a three away from stealing this game. So, Jack, do you... I completely lost my train of thoughts. And we're, <laughs> I'm talking, oh, um, yeah. Our, what was your prediction before the series going in? And has this game changed what you thought at all? I, a big part of me wanted to go sweep, but I think it like four one always made the most sense. Like, like yeah. you talked about Jake, the Hawks are a good offensive team, right? Bringing in Quinn Snyder at the deadline. They've got some sort of momentum. They have talent. Like on paper, this team should be much better than they were. Trey Young's an all-star caliber player. John Murray's all-star caliber player. John Collins, DeAndre Hunter, Clint Capella. Like they got depth. They have guys that can score. They have guys that can do, you know, a lot of things on both ends of the court. <clears throat> they just never really put it together this season. So seeing them take one game from the Celtics is frustrating, especially when it comes in the way that it happened to game three, where the Celtics, like you said, had a chance to win at the end. They just missed the shots they needed to make and they couldn't get stops. Like they should have won that game. This should have been a sweep. The Celtics are far and away the better team. I've been saying it for the first two games and I will continue to say it even though the Hawks won. The Hawks stink, right? Like that's that's the phrase I've been going with for the entire series. Like they have a good offense. They can fill it up. But at the end of the day, they're just not on the same level as the Celtics. And they stole one game. But if it's going to be a 4-1 series, like you said, Wayne, it's gonna they, they got to take one. So I think 4-1 makes sense now. If the Hawks go out there and win game four, that's when you start to get, okay, Celtics, what are we doing? But right now, I think the Celtics have a chance to respond uh, and everything will be all right. Yeah, the objective analyst that I am is thinking, yeah, no no worries. (laughs) The the Celtics are favored by five and a half points tomorrow for a reason. Still heavy favorites in in the series for a reason. That being said, I started thinking about getting up. 9 a.m. to watch the game for tomorrow and it's a, it's 2-1 and if they lose it's tied 2-2 going back to Boston and you start to and especially I will be with a the, mess yeah. I will be a mess if that happens and yeah well yeah you, yeah you were you were kind of a mess in game one and you've been relatively calm in the in the next two but yeah if t- Tomorrow will be a different story. And, I mean, you add that to the context of what's happening around the league, I mean, especially the Eastern Conference right now, like between Embiid going down and then Giannis out again today. Like, look, no one wants to see injuries, but it got even more important for the Celtics to wrap this series up. I don't think if they wrap it up in five versus four, the series would have started any earlier. I don't think they usually start the second round that much far ahead uh, when there's other series going on, but... If it goes out to six, if that's just another day or two days rest for Embiid right now, that's like 
very, very valuable. Mm-hmm. So hopefully they um, are feeling the urgency as well. Um, but that's the thing. Like if the, if the Hawks get hot again, um, it can come down to the wire and you know, anything can happen. Yeah. On Giannis real quick. Do you guys get the, I don't, I'm just kind of reading the tea leaves a, a little bit here. Mm. Like you feel like if they were playing the Celtics, Giannis would be playing, but they're like, fuck it. It's the heat. We can beat these dudes without Giannis. Yeah. <laughs> that, I, I, I would think so. Cause yeah. this Bucks team, even without Giannis is just better than the C team, especially with no Tyler hero. Like, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, especially with a tied one, one, like even if they lose again today, it's still like another couple of days until going back like for game four. It, it, it is interesting and concerning. It is currently 14, 13. Locks up one. So we'll Let's go see. heat. Let's, Let's go, go boys. <laughs> uh, real, real quick before we jump into the individual performances of game three, Ben, so, some random stranger, Ben Vallis, definitely not <laughs> the creator of this podcast in the chat asked, um, you know, Smart came out. I, I believe it was Smart came out and said he may not play in game four. Who do we think starts if Smart can't make it? And Ben, of course, on brand, do we insert PP just to maintain the rest of the rotation? <laughs> I didn't want to say that. I had to quote the comment. Uh, Jack, who do you think's going into the starting lineup if Smart's not available? Uh, it's funny because I wrote about Grant Williams this morning for Celtics blog and mm. someone commented like Grant was bad on defense last night. I played Pritchard instead. I'm like, I don't know how that correlates, but sure. Uh, but um, the play the worst defender <laughs> instead. I was yeah. like, all right. Well, th- their argument was like Pritchard can actually get stops. I'm like, uh, anyways, my point. <laughs> who, <laughs> who enters the starting lineup? I, I would assume Rob. I feel like Derek, Jalen, Jason, Horford, Rob, you run double bigs again. Derek White's been phenomenal this series. Uh, he, he would replace Marcus. I don't think they'd bring Malcolm into the starting lineup. They haven't yeah. all year. Pritchard may, might get some minutes off the bench, but honestly, I feel like they might roll with a taller lineup instead. Go Hauser more minutes, Grant more minutes because he played well in game three. Pr- Pritchard, like maybe, <laughs> but I, I, I just don't know if it's worth it to put him all the way into the starting lineup when you need the rebounds anyways, right? You're struggling with rebounds all series. So you go with Pritchard instead of Rob. Like I, I feel like the balance should be good. Double bigs and see if that helps you rebounding anyways. Yeah. that That's what was my first thought as well was Rob. My only concern is, you know, Jack, I've been like captain of the manage Rob minutes bandwagon, like all season long. <laughs> yeah. Like anytime he started to creep up, I started getting really worried for good reason. Yeah. It turned out. Yeah. Um, and I really like the plan that they've kind of had him on so far in the playoffs. And I think if you insert Rob, I think it can get a little bit more tricky to keep those minutes down, but maybe that means we do see Grant again. And we were kind of calling for Blake a little bit in last game, mm. just because it felt like we needed some energy and, Spoonie's been on it like best defensive round rebounding percentage since you know he's a clipper. many moons many yeah. moons ago. <laughs> um, so like if that's an issue, maybe like you, you go to you go to Blake who's been not really like really solid um, kind of lately. So um, I, I do wonder if maybe they now that Brogdon has won six man of the year that they're just like fine more fine starting Brogdon um, and just kind of ramping his minutes up a little bit. If Smart doesn't go, I do lean to Smart going tomorrow in the end. But, but we'll see. Yeah, Chris Feely in the chat says, you know, Pritchard will give you some offense, but I feel like we're we aren't lacking yeah. that. Yeah, we Not had like problem. a yeah, bad offensive game, it felt like last game. We dropped 122. Uh, so, yeah, I'm not worried about the offense. I wonder if it might be Hauser. He's kind of sneakily snuck into the starting lineup yeah. quite a few times in the set after the trade deadline. So that might be one guy we uh, we see. But, yeah, I, you know, it, it concerns me with Smart because often he'll play through injuries and that's when he has those really bad 
bad stretches of play. So we'll see how he's feeling tomorrow. But yeah, I bet he plays. Anyway, let's get into some quick individual performances because I can already tell this is going to go much longer. Yeah, than careful. 45 minutes. Careful. I uh, so I thought Tatum had a really, really weird game. Like his line. 29 10 5 two steals 9 to 22 not great but also not you know the tour date style 3 of 15 3 of 17 that he is prone to he did have four turnovers I, I thought defensively he was okay I didn't think he was you know getting lit up more than anybody else was so Jack it, did Tatum have a bad game despite the numbers I think so. I think when you see with Tatum, like he'll have a quote unquote bad game for the people who watch and he'll put up like 35, 11, six and whatever. Like, I think the real issue for Tatum was specifically his second half performance. If you if you look at the second half, four of 11 from the field, significantly worse. Oh, five from three, a lot worse. Right. Three turnovers as well in just the second half. Plus, he like some of the turnovers weren't weren't just like, oh, the you know, the Hawks forced turnover. They're just kind of Tatum throwing the ball away. It just seemed like I mean you saw him messing with the hand a little bit it was just a very weird game from Tatum like you said the defense was fine but offensively it's just you need more from your star player in the playoffs and everybody's allowed a bad game right this isn't me I'm not going to start har- harping on Tatum because he had one bad game it sucks the Celtics lost um, but you know stuff happens over five from three is not ideal and something Sam and I talk about where uh, last night his idea was we should start counting Tatum step back threes as turnovers when he misses because they're just bad. Like they're just, it's just not a good shot. Right. And, and I said it in game one, if Tatum's making those shots, nobody's going to beat the Celtics. Yeah. But if Tatum is taking a lot of those shots and missing a lot of those shots, it's probably going to be a lot easier to beat the Celtics. Right. It's just the, the Tatum getting his threes within the flow of the offense is, is, such a niche thing to talk about, but it's so important for him to being at his best because when he's just chucking up these step back threes, you know, dribble, dribble, you know, get, you know, create a little bit of space. He can make them, but it's just not a good enough percentage this year. I was listening to, I think it was Tim Legler on the JJ Reddick podcast a while ago. He said something like across his career, Tatum shoots like 36% on pull-up jumpers, which is like not terrible. He's shooting like 24% this year. So it's just like, it's just not there for him as much this year. If he can get back to making them great Celtics will be unstoppable. But until then, once you miss one, maybe just take a breather. <laughs> yeah. I Not all pull-up threes for Tatum are created equal. And yesterday it was like, we're trying to get back in the game. We're trying to string together stops yeah. and like enforce our will on the game. And he bailed the Hawks out with a couple. Like, that's fine with eight seconds or less on the shot clock, but there was like some early shot clock ones. Um, and when you don't have that rhythm in the second half, that's when, you know, we're, we're just groaning to ourselves. It's like, just get downhill. Let's get the ball moving and go from there. Like he, yes. So five, five, three point attempts in the second half um, out of his 11 attempts, which means, you know, I'm really good at maths as you'll find out on this podcast. Um, <laughs> but like, that's a lot of them. That's a high percentage of every shots coming from the three point line. And well, I liked more, from from Tatum earlier in the in the series, I think he had seven in one of the games. Like that range, like the set, wait, wait, it was obvious. It was almost bad that the threes went in in the first half. Yep, because it was like, now maybe I, I can shoot my way out of this game. Yep. don't have don't have to play too hard. And we've seen that from Tatum. And look, honestly, he took as much blame as I kind of see him take in the post game by just being like all on me. Bad turnovers, got to like get downhill and be more locked in. So. I would expect him to go kind of back towards what we saw in the first couple of games, getting downhill because they don't really have guys that can guard him. If he's constantly forcing the issue, they're going to get in front here and there, but, and we saw it a little bit late, but it, it was kind of too late at that point. 
at least he's cleaned in the glass still. You know, he, like, he's not playing that great. Like it, it, I know that is very, very needed in this series. So I thought Jalen had another, he's kind of had a weird series and maybe it's the hand, um, just 15 shots. He had 14 in game two. And this is a guy who averages over 20 for the season. Uh, mm-hmm. Another three turnovers. Uh, I thought defensively he's been pretty locked in, though. Like they're actively avoiding him. Uh, you know, you'll see like Sadiq Bay come to set a pick and Trey's like, no, 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 no. Jalen Brown's on you. Go get go get <laughs> Hauser. Come on. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, he's only shooting 29 percent from three this series. And that's really weighed down by the 0 for four last night. So. Um, I don't know. What are you guys' thoughts on Jalen? Do we think it's the hand? Maybe, like, partially. I, I don't know. Like you said, it's just been kind of weird. In the first two games, you kind of looked at it and was like, oh, Derek White was hot. Jalen just took a backseat because somebody else was hot. But in this one, like, <clears throat> when you really need somebody to step up and score the ball, he's just not really being as aggressive as you might want him to be. Uh, only, am I sorted correctly, only one rebound last night, too? Like, that's not really acceptable. I guess, like, and again, I'm not going to pick on him because, like, the Celtics as a whole need to be better. But if Al Horford is spending all his time trying to box out Capella, you need Jason and Jalen in there grabbing rebounds. And Jalen Brown's been a phenomenal rebounder this year. He's racking up yes. double-digit rebound games throughout the entire second half of the season. So to see him get one is another thing to be weirded out about. So I, I don't know. I, I feel like we need to get more looks for Jalen, like the ones you were seeing for Jason in games one and two, where he's, you know, getting in the post or he's getting downhill where he's attacking. Cause there's nobody on this Hawks team that can stay in front of either of them. So rather than focusing on the mid range pull-ups, which he's good at, he can get there and he's been elite from the mid ranges here rather than focusing on the threes, get downhill, you know, you know, put your body through another guy's chest, get in it, layup, dra- draw contact, get to the free throw line. Like aggressive Jalen is, is as good Jalen. And I, I think maybe after this loss, you're going to see Jason and Jalen, like you said about Jason getting downhill, being more aggressive in game four. Yeah. This is the ebbs and flows of the playoffs, right? Like, I think very I, – yeah, I think whatever the prop is for Jalen rebounds, I'd probably be leaning towards the over on that one. Like he's going to be – he's going to come out of that game, look at the box score and be like, rebounding was an issue. I had one rebound in the whole game. Like that's that's ridiculous. To be fair as well, he also had foul trouble. Like I know he ended up getting to 33 minutes, but I felt like he was completely kind of thrown off rhythm-wise from that perspective. And Jalen is just hard with the – like the hand I think is probably a factor. But – like if Jalen didn't have this issue with the hand, would we just kind of be saying Jalen's doing like that weird Jalen thing where for a game or two in a row, he just doesn't look right. And maybe that's, maybe that's just what it is. Um, I'm, I'm trying to summon game two against the Bucks last season energy for Jalen Brown, <laughs> where he was just dropping Grayson Allen over and over again. Cause there's, there's obviously plenty of pressure points for Jalen to go at on this Hawks team throughout the roster. So let's, let's get cooking. Yeah, especially if Hunter's on Tatum, which he yeah. seems to be like there's he can just like post up Murray. He can take Murray in the post whenever he wants. I, I'd like to see. I know post up. It's like 80s ball style, but like we could post up like half this Hawks roster. Yeah. And I'd like smart had one or two, I think, a game two and it worked. So I, I'd like us to go back to that post up Jalen post up Tatum, post up everybody. Um, Brogdon, probably the best Celtic. Um, you know, he didn't score the most points, but you know, he was really efficient three, six from three, 17 and five. Um, overall, I think Brogdon, I, I've been very critical of Brogdon's defense throughout the season. I think he's stepping it up in the playoffs. He seems a lot more engaged. He's not getting cracked off the dribble as much. So what do we think about Brogdon's performance, fellas? Another guy that's got to get on the boards. I actually mm-hmm. thought later in yeah. the season he was rebounding better. But again, one rebound yesterday in 28 minutes. 
it's just not good. It needs to be a collective effort. And this, maybe it's something about Rob that like makes guys feel like they can take take it easy when it comes to rebounding because he's just so good on that end. Probably. Like before Rob came back in the first half of the, like, you know, whatever it was in the season, the Celtics were one of the best defensive rebounding teams. And like one of the big stories was like the gang rebounding of the team. Add that to Rob. Add it together, and that's why they were the best defensive rebounding team in the league. Brogdon, Jalen, got to get on there. Brogdon, obviously, I think this is a great series for him. I like seeing him get up to 28 minutes. Um, he can just create advantages really easily, and it was good to see him make some shots. And I think his process across all three games has been really good. Just yesterday, the shots actually fell. So I hope now he's got his rhythm. He's got that confidence. I expect another big game from Brogdon uh, for the next one. Yeah, I thought it was good. It, it was nice to see him be aggressive, like you were talking about. Good series for him. Not many players. Yeah. Good series. It should be a good series for everybody because this Hawks is yeah. just—he <laughs> was just not very good on defense. Like Capella's fine on the interior. Okongwu is better than I think a lot of people give him credit for. But when it comes to the perimeter, it's DeAndre Hunter and then huge drop off for perimeter defense. So they should all be thriving. Uh, Brogdon solid last night. Made his threes. Didn't make the one that you really wanted to see him make at the I end know, of the game yeah. there, but yep. you can only ask for so much for, for, from the guy. But um, I thought Marcus Smart also played well. I, I don't mean to jump the gun, but I thought. No, let's do probably, it. Let's get it. That's who I was going he, to next. So let's. He get was probably it. my pick for the best Celtic on the floor last night. I mean, twenty-four points, efficient showing, five for twelve from three. Twelve threes is a lot for Marcus Smart. Yes. But when you have <laughs> when you have Jalen only shooting four and missing the ball, and then Tatum shooting over five, like especially when he's going to make five of 12, like 41%, you're fine with it. Eight assists was also huge. He was great playmaking last night, 24 points. He was one of the more aggressive Celtics. I know he, he shot four or seven from two point range, three steals, only one turnover on eight assists. Like, just probably the best game you've seen from him. It's just unfortunate that the stars didn't really match his energy. And I mean, like, like I said, putting his body on the line for a single rebound uh, that unfortunately bounced off his foot. I don't know how he didn't get that. That's like the most classic smart play to actually yeah. make. And just this time it didn't, didn't quite happen for him. It's, I feel like the, as good as smart was, and obviously hit all those shots. Not if you told me before the game started, that Marcus smart took 19 shots. I'd be like, that's, <laughs> usually not usually not a recipe for even Uh-oh, when he yeah. hits them even when he hits them i i it's just like that that 10 to 11 field goal attempt range because it, it, it often is a symptom more broadly of something else that's going on whether it's marcus being too aggressive you said jack you know, you know jalen having a bit of a weird game and marcus might you know like correctly felt like it felt that he needed to be more aggressive as well um he had one drive against DeJounte that he got straight to the rim late and like got a layup I would like anytime Marcus or Marcus has DeJounte or Trey on him I feel pretty comfortable about Marcus getting downhill even if it's not for you know a shot at the rim it's just collapsing the team again it's this is not the offense hasn't been the problem I thought Mark as he said eight assists and one turnover not the issue and defensively I thought he was pretty good uh, yesterday. Not quite the same level as the first two games, but I think that was more broadly everybody. Like this team is so good when everybody's locked in and keeping their guys in front of each other. It's just, I feel like someone in the chat here saying, you know, White was getting beat off the dribble by Trey yesterday. Yeah, a lot of people were getting beat off the dribble yesterday that weren't getting beat off the dribble in the first two games. And so I think that's, that's part of it. Like smart smart had a defensive play that kind of summed up this game i think it was in the second quarter one of their wings had the ball and like um the triple threat and then went to throw a pass and smart tipped it 
and it tipped straight up in the air and there was like a scramble and it went right back to the dude who threw the pass who then dropped it down to like DeJounte for an easy two and it's like ah maybe not our night but yeah i thought smart was uh, super active uh, on both ends even though yeah he got he got got a few times but so did everybody else on the roster but yeah well we should probably talk about the elephant in the room i don't think this was a bad game that Derek white had maybe a bad game for Derek white if that makes <laughs> sense like not offensively i thought he was he, you know he didn't take a lot of shots i think he was just five or seven or four or seven rather um but that's probably one of the worst defensive games I've ever seen Derek White play. Is that hyper hyperbolic, hyperbolic, hyperbaric, whatever that, Jack? <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel it obviously wasn't good. I mean, like yeah. like uh, the guy in the chat was saying, De- Trey Young got by him a little too much. I don't necessarily put all of that on Derek White. That was kind of like the coverage the Celtics were playing. Like half the time you'd see Trey Young getting by Derek White, and it was just because like Al Horford's in drop coverage, so Derek White's trying to scramble to get back, and so it looks like it's Derek White's fault. But in reality, it's just kind of the system they're playing. <clears throat> there were a couple of possessions where it was one-on-one, Derek White on Trey Young. Trey Young did get that extra step. Um, the two things I'll say about that is one – Derek White has been doing that a decent amount this season because he's so good at blocking guys from behind, Mm -hmm. right? He'll let them get a step on him just so he can come back and swipe it away. And two, he was in bad foul trouble early, so he couldn't Mm -hmm. really be as aggressive as you wanted him to be. Uh, I think he had three in like the first two, like the first half alone. He picked up two or something like he had five at the end of the game. And that's because they were being sparing with him. So he can't really be as aggressive as you want him to be on defense. And that's kind of why he's so good. He's out there. He's being a menace and he he just couldn't do that. So I I think all those things combined, uh, not an excuse, it still wasn't a great Derek White defensive game, but like more reasons as to why he couldn't be the same level defender as he's been this season. Cause he, he's an all defensive guy this year. I'll, I'll die on that Hill. So um, not his best showing uh, offensively again, probably couldn't be as aggressive and cause he got taken out of the game because of foul trouble. He didn't, you know, get in a rhythm. So all those things combined, not the best Derek White game, especially when he's coming off to monster nights like he had in games one and two. Yeah. Yeah, relative to games one and two, this was a bad Derek White game, but like he was also playing like an all NBA player in the first two games. So, yep. So, so, so somewhere in the middle is probably where we're going to end up here. But yeah, like the seven shots, maybe that, that's, you know, we want Derek White being aggressive. That's why he, he's been so good is in this series, especially, is because there's not really anyone in the backcourt on the Hawks that can guard him. And so him not being aggressive um, is you know, him not having a good game. And defensively, that's such a good point, Jack, like with the foul trouble. We're so used to the first two games. Like even when the Celtics were playing drop in the first couple of games, Derek White is right there, right on his hip blocking. And just like the overall team, we had zero blocks in this game. Zero. And that's after Derek White and Al Horford averaging 2.5 per game in the first two. I was so going like, to say, we were almost averaging double digits going into the, in the first two games, I think. So, Jack, you you hit, hit on it. Um, it's the drop coverage. Hawking in the chat mm-hmm. says, what do we think about the drop coverage, gentlemen? Uh, so, yeah. Any thoughts on that, Jack? Uh, also, sorry. I have terrible allergies. So every time I bend down, I'm like wiping my nose, trying not to. No, all good, man. Don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, ben, he's usually covered in sweat. We're on. Okay. We're on the podcast, <laughs> good, good. Nothing. Um, I, I feel like drop coverage is definitely not. I prefer switching, especially with the personnel the Celtics have. But at the same time, even when you see him switching, like if you think Derek White's getting blown by by Trey Young, Al Horford's great, but yes. come on, like yep. give the guy a break. He's 37, 36 at this point. He's going to get blown by every once in a while. I think the drop coverage was working better in the first two games because of what you said. Derek White was right there. These guys were right there, you know, uh, playing help defense. I don't necessarily think 
the drop coverage is as much of an issue. It, it was it looked bad last night. It was a problem, but I, I feel like they just need people to help more like they were in games one and two. Have the guy in the corner, you know, come over and help and have the guy who got you know, screwed to the top, go to the corner. Like the rotations just weren't as crisp in game three as they were in games one and two. And I think that was the bigger problem. I also just think Trey Young got more confident as simple as that. Like he just wasn't himself in those first two games. And I don't think he'll play like this for the rest of the series, but combine his confidence level in game three with the Celtics less than stellar defensive effort. Like you could tell they just like took, they, they, they took their foot off the gas a little bit. Yeah. In those first two games, they were looking like the defense that was the best in the league last season. In this one, they were looking like the defense that was, Oh, they're pretty good. So you need to get back up to that level drop defense. Not my favorite. I don't think it was very good last night. And I know Sam pointed this out when we were recording last night, when the Celtics were really struggling in December, they were playing Blake Griffin and drop coverage and getting killed. So I, I think going away from that as much as possible is a little bit better. Although I do think it can work if the Celtics play defense with the right intensity. Yeah. It's like, okay, well, let's not play a drop. But we also watched Al Horford get murdered on switches, right? Against Trey Young. And like, th- there's two or three big men in the NBA that aren't going to get burned on switches um, by Trey Young or Steph Curry. It's like, bam, out of bio. And you're, the list is getting pretty short. Rob Williams. That. And Well, this is, the, you know, maybe we go to switching when Rob's out there, right? Yeah. But like, but Robin drop as well is also you feel more comfortable just because like he's able to contest from like just really ridiculous places. Like I think just taking a step back and like thinking about how we looked at the series going into it, and a lot of it is all the same, right? I think what I was saying going into it was like the game plan that the Celtics used against Steph Curry in the finals. I'm like pretty comfortable with that defensive game plan in this series because that requires Trey Young to put on like one of the greatest playoff performances of all time in order to take down the Celtics. And like Trey Young is that special of an offensive player where he can have a game like last night, where if you're not really locked in, and I think that that's the difference last night. Like if they play the defense that they played on Steph Curry in the finals and all of these games, then he's not, and Trey Young's not doing what he did last night. Like the wide open floaters. Yeah, there we go. Another Trey Young floater undefended up the middle and I'll pull my hair out from Phil apart in the chat. 100%. And these things are all connected. The foul trouble that Jack mentioned for Derek White, like there's no one better in the league than recovering. And him and Caruso are just like unmatched at rec- yep. get, like, getting around those screens and forcing really difficult floaters or, you know, actually blocking them. And so the game plan is just do it better to me. Like, you know, switch harder. The ball pressure, the ball pressure, be more aggressive. I don't know how many steals they had yesterday um, as well. We actually had 11 steals, but the zero blocks thing I think is pretty telling on the type of ball pressure they were doing. Yeah, I'm sure we'll get to Rob in a second, but um, you didn't feel either of the bigs really defensively, Al, but you, you have to feel Rob on defense. And I think, yeah, outside of Smart and Tatum and Jalen as well, I thought that like some of the guys you really count on defensively so far, didn't quite turn up. Yeah. And Philip Hart, uh, he asked how I we feel Joe did. Um, and is it the scheme or the player's execution? Look, you, the Hawks, like we were talking about, they're a good enough offense that you are going to concede something. You cannot take it's not Brooklyn where they just have zero Spencer Dinwiddie's their best creator and he's oh just my like God. throwing the ball into the stands and bricking shots. <laughs> like the Hawks are gonna score against any type of defense. So you gotta pick your poison. And I think what's good about drop is it concedes like long floaters and mid-range jumpers. And Trey does not, he he likes short floaters. He likes getting into the lane and kind of disguising the floater and tossing lobs. 
lobs and things like that. Um, and DeJounte is really the only guy who can truly like win a game from the mid range for the Hawks. So I'll live with it. I think uh, I, I looked at their shot chart. I think they made 13 or 14 long floater range or, you know, shorter mid range shots. Like, that's a lot. That's a really lot. I just don't expect them to stay, stay so locked in from that range. Um, so I, like we cannot switch with Al. He's going to, he's going to get roasted. Like you just can't do it. And they're setting the picks so high up the court too, that it gives Trey so much room to operate so much space in behind to, to, you know, get a step or two. So I think we're going to see drop for the rest of this series. And yeah, like you guys both hit, it's a matter of execution and effort. And neither was really there. Uh, the whole game last in the second half, I think they did a lot better on both, but uh, yeah, let's talk about Rob. I, I thought this was um, pretty low impact. You know, Rob's stats never tell the story about how good he truly is. Uh, but, you know, I just didn't fe- feel like we felt him as much on both ends. And, you know, he, he gobbles up rebounds. I think he had like four or five last night. Yeah, five, two offensive. So, you know, it's not like he's sh- shutting down the defensive glass. I, I just I think Rob's will be fine, but just felt like not a great game for him. No, no. Someone I can imagine has gone up to Rob and we heard Joe with the expletives and it comes to rebounding. <laughs> that's directed at everybody, but that's Rob Williams is like best skill that you can rely on on a game to game basis is like those vacuum go, go gadget arms. Like he's just elite at rebounding. Yeah. And I think that the, the one moment though, I will got to give him credit for. He had that, that just sick backdoor cut pass. Um, yeah. That was, I, I want to say it was Derek. Maybe forget who it was, but like just, just love seeing the time Lord do time Lord things. And, um, but yeah, for him to have that proper impact, we, we felt like the energy was low and we were like, okay, Rob's going to come in like game one, right? Hawks were up kind of early. Rob came in, totally changed the energy of the game with Brogdon. Don't feel, did not feel that um, yesterday. And again, credit to Atlanta. Like they, they were ready for it. Like a Kongu, yeah, you said it earlier, Jack, like he's, he's slept on a lot of Hawks fans thought it was ridiculous that he wasn't involved at least in the discussion for six man of the year. And so like, he, he's a really good player. I actually like him more than Capella. And so he 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 is a, a good foil. Like not a, not a lot of guys in the teams in the league have a backup big that can like hang with Rob and a is at least like comparable. Like Paul Reed's going to have a bit of a bigger issue assuming the sellers can actually get out of this thing. But yeah, got to be better. Yeah, it just felt like he wasn't as impactful as in the first two games. Like those first two games, like you're talking about the stats don't necessarily reflect how great he was. Uh, he, he was at the rim. He had a hand up and everything. He was able to uh, grab these rebounds. Yeah. Like, but like the urgency just wasn't there and that's not just Rob. It's everybody, uh, the whole roster, like Ben said, but for Rob, you need him to like, again, like we said about Jalen and like we said about, and uh, Malcolm one off one rebounds, not enough. Rob only had three defensive rebounds. And since he's held to a higher standard in that regard, like that's just not good enough. You need to have more than three defensive rebounds. If you're Robert Williams, especially on a night where the Hawks are pulling down 11 offensive rebounds and shooting 56% from the field. Like it, it would just, you need a little bit more from him or you would hope so. And as the playoffs go on, I imagine he'll get more minutes, less than 20 minutes for Rob just doesn't seem good enough. And maybe that's, you know, like you said, Jake, manage the minutes. I'm all for it, but yeah. at like some 23, point, really, 23, yeah, 24, yeah. There's, 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 there's a few extra in there. Yeah. <laughs> Some wiggle room. Yeah. Yeah. And and the problems with the team last night are like the exact types of things Rob Williams brings, right? You know, 
shutting down offensive rebounds, uh, you know, contesting guards and switches or in drop coverage, protecting the rim. So um, that was like a game Rob could have really turned for us. And he just, you know, rarely we say this, but he just wasn't quite up to it last game. But before we move on and uh, and talk about Jack's awesome piece on Derek White again, that's called Legend. You can find it on the greatest Celtics website on the Internet, Celtics blog. Um <laughs> It's really awesome. But uh, so has Grant Williams four for four, all threes. He made both of his three throws, Um, you know, just a I thought a really, really good game from Grant Williams. I thought he was active. So, Jack, do you think Grant has pried his way back into Joe's good graces and we'll see him in game four? Especially if Marcus Smart is questionable, I definitely think you'll see some Grant minutes. I mean, he talked about it after the game. I wrote about it. He didn't know he wasn't going to be in the rotation in the first two games, but he was also, I think he gave a good answer. He's like, but that's not my place to know. I'm not the coach, right? That's coach decision. And it's nice to hear him say, like, I'm happy to do whatever is best for the team, all that good stuff. And his confidence being able to stay that high where he's coming in, nailing his first shot, immediately getting a steal on the other end, nailing another shot, drawing a charge, like doing all the things you saw from Gray Williams in the playoffs last year. If he can play like that consistently, there's no reason he shouldn't be getting the minutes he was last year. Cause he was playing like 30 minutes a night for the Celtics oh, yeah. playoffs last year. And they don't need that from him as much this season because they have such good depth. But if he's playing like this, you uh, let me rephrase you need him to be playing like this in the hawk series so he can be on the floor when he has to guard Giannis, when he has to guard Embiid, right like you need his defense in those matchups against bigger players and so for him to get some you know run under his legs you know make a few shots get his confidence up in a hawk series where i know they took a game but come on it's the hawks like right <laughs> warm up a little bit it's good to see him get that confidence and he made both free throws. Yeah, that's right. He made, yes, them, he both. made them both. <laughs> he made them both. That was honestly was huge because I feel like he's he's clanked a few free throws. He since, has definitely. Since the, yeah, since the Cleveland incident. And so I'm so impressed, man. Like if you if I was to have to predict what the grand performance would have been when I saw him check in, would not have been predicting what I saw from Grant yesterday. It was 100 percent what you said. It was playoff Grant from last year. Great defense taking the charges. The fact that he went four from four from three and it was quick release. I think one of the big issues with Grant this year has been like the the pump faking and, and just not letting it fly. He had a step back too. He had a nice little step yeah. back. Go on. <laughs> like you, you said, you said we should count, um, you know, Jason Tatum step, like step backs and pull ups as turnovers. Anytime Grant dribbles the ball, sometimes he's a turnover. (laughs) And so the fact that he just let it fly, give me a 30 to 40% chance of you making a three point and then whatever happens when you put the ball on the ground. And honestly, he, he, he did get the ball under the rim and he should have gone up with it, but he stayed poised. He took a dribble, kicked it out. And the Celtics, I think got an and one off that. Mm. I was really impressed to like not play those first two games at all. Like that's like that takes a lot of like a lot of confidence. Like players struggle with that, and for a guy like with the, with the whole contract situation, like your 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 mind's gonna go to, oh man, I'm 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 out of the rotation. Like what is that? What have I done? I've left X amount of dollars on the table to come back in and perform like that. It's really unfortunate it didn't lead to a win because I think that probably would have been like the story of the game, um, and would have been good for the vibes. But for going forward, Jackie, yeah, I think it's great because I think he his value definitely gets shown in those, you know, sixes and bucks series. And I've been someone that's been like, even unsure of if he'd be able to play in those series because of how his confidence has been wavering so significantly, but to see him do it like that, I think that's 
honestly a big win out of yesterday's game. Come on, Grant. Give us Let's another one, buddy. Let's Come go, on. big dog. Together. Yes. That's all we need. Um, all right. So, yeah, disappointing. 130-122 loss. We'll see these boys tomorrow um, at, uh, I believe, 7 p.m. America time, which is like, what, 5 a.m. for you, Jay? I don't know. It's all good. I think we got yeah. a 9 a.m. start. So, oh, all right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Good. Just, good. I, te- I, I technically saw my job at that time, but we'll figure yeah. it out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, you know. Um, yeah. Okay. So, Jack has just published this story about Derek White where he interviewed seemingly every human being who has ever (laughs) met Derek White at any time. Um, And it's just really, really awesome. It's filled with incredible stories about Derek, lots of incredible quotes that really paint the picture of like who he is as a person and as a basketball player. Like you end with the Scalabrini quote where it's like his personality doesn't fit how good of a player is. I thought that's like the perfect quote to encapsulate Derek White. But I think maybe the highlight for me is like the opening story where he shows up. It's I think he shows up to UC Colorado Springs um, and he had just gotten his wisdom teeth out. So everyone's like, who's this like six two skinny dude with big ass puffy cheeks? So like, why did you decide to go to that like hilarious, fantastic chipmunk story? <laughs> well, I talked to uh, Alex Welsh, who is like UCC, uh, UCCS's all-time leading scorer rebounder. He's the best man at uh, Derek White's wedding, so they're like best friends. <clears throat> I talked to him, and uh, he told me that story. It was actually like a pro-am over the summer, so before they even were reporting to school, they went to a pro-am. Derek White, uh, at the beginning of that story, wasn't actually even published in the article because obviously you got to cut some stuff down as you're going. Sure. Uh, he, he let it off with like, Derek White is the king of FOMO. Like he just doesn't want to miss anything. Like he he's always afraid he's going to miss out on something. So even though he got his wisdom teeth taken out like the day before, he still showed up to the pro am. He had these big chipmunk cheeks, uh, and then he just like killed everybody. Like he was just you know dunking on people, getting steals, reverse slams, like all the all that good stuff. And uh, we we weren't really sure how we were going to start it off. And then Bill again, legend, suggested you know this is the type of thing that I think would really kick it off to a good start. And so wrote it up put it at the beginning and um, i'm glad it left the impact it did because it was definitely one of the better stories yeah i mean it's so interesting his demeanor like this type of player like guys that are are constantly written off like guys like that remind me like pat bev comes to mind guys that are like fringy (laughs) that just like need to have this like crazy like almost delusional level of confidence um Whereas Derek White, it's so interesting how he constantly like the I love the pop, the pop tidbits about like we gotta go into the we go into the front yeah. office, we gotta get this guy paid. Like he's he's out, you know, outplaying his contract and constantly getting in his ear about, you know, um, you belong. And and even the other day, like Derek talking about Jalen getting his ear in his ear, being like, Come on, D, do what you do, do what you do. Um, I think it's quite refreshing to to have a player that has that kind of humility as far as like always trying to fit in, it can be a blessing and a curse. And I feel like that goes the same for players that are, you know, delusionally confident. Um, but to have a guy like Derek that is, you know, a little worried about fitting in and messing up what was going on. Um, and then, you know, gaining that trust and confidence of people literally at every level, like not your red shirting. Um, and then they st- he starts kicking the ass of the starters at, um, at college. And then it's like just every step of the way, G League, it, he's just constantly surprising people, even Celtics fans, right? Like I, like I want to, you know, one of my best mates is a Spurs fan. He's like, you're going to love Derek White. And I'm like, yeah, all right. But I did not, <laughs> did not think 
I would how have, right he would be. How right he would be. Like Jack on the pod, like we call we call Derek White the mistress because like it feels like I'm cheating on um my my fiance with how much I love Derek White. And honestly, like she's awesome. welcomed him into the family, and like we're, we're, we're more like we're more like a polyamorous relationship at this point. Um, and like you, you get that through the story, which I think. For some for Celtics fans, that he's become such a beloved Celtic already to hear about like his family stories, like in the midst of the finals, um, and how he still like cares so much about the people around him. Uh, I think it's great to get that human element of it as well. Yeah, that that final story about like the way I phrased it was like post finals Oreos, how he was like, he yeah, goes so home, good, he loves his family, right? He's being nice to his friend. Like, I was, it was Reese Elliott. I think he told me that story. He was like a childhood friend of Derek's and. Like I'm listening to us tell the story. I'm like, like on the phone, right? So you can't see it, but I'm like tearing up. I'm like, oh my god! Like this is this is <laughs> yeah. like crazy. Like how he's obviously like when you live in Boston, there's a certain expectation. Like if you don't win, you're a loser, right? Like that. that that's how fans kind of treat things. Um, but to see Derek White sort of have the the mental capacity to like yeah, this stinks. We just lost the finals, but like my family's here. My best friend since I was five is here that's what's important to me as much as I prioritize basketball. Like let me, let me spend time with them. Let me get an Oreo. Let me decompress. And like, th- th- that was great. And I thought it was the perfect way to end the story. Reese was, uh, t- I texted Reese, like, um, thank you. And everything. And he said, Derek enjoyed that part too. So like, it's, it's just, I just thought that was the best way you could have ended it. And t- to hear about a guy who was like, when, when you, I, I was talking to Marcus Mason, who was like, Derek's trainer this wasn't in the story or anything um because we couldn't fit it in but he was talking about how like you have Jason Tatum with all these expectations you have all these like NBA stars now you bring them up through AAU meanwhile there's Derek just kind of like clawing yeah. for any little sort yeah. of notoriety he can get so it's like it's kind of like you said it's kind of refreshing to hear a story like that with somebody as good as Derek is yeah it's funny we actually we had Richard on the pot his dad on the podcast. yeah they, I mean, you guys connected me to him so thank you yeah I know I know Ben hooked it up <laughs> so yeah, of course man um but he I asked him like when did you like think or know or believe Derek could be an NBA player and he's like the first time he played an NBA game <laughs> such a, a non traditional path to the NBA which is I think part of what makes him so um he's you know he's so um his hum- he has so much humility. There we go. Yeah. That's the word. I almost said human. <laughs> <laughs> Where am I going with this? I've had a long day. day. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Makes him so awesome. There we go. Uh, dude, so, I, I mean, a little behind the curtain at Celtics blog. It's yeah. not that they don't give us direction, but, like, they're very – and this is a great thing about it is we can really just, like, here's an idea I have. I want to do it. And 99 out of 100 times, they're like, okay, go ahead and do it. So, like, what's your yeah. thought process? I mean, this – I imagine you were working on for months and months. So like, how long did it take you? And what is like your thought process is like, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to create something that's, I know will be months and months of work. Yeah. So I actually wrote, I'm trying to find it here. I wrote, my first feature for Celtics blog where I actually talked to somebody got quote. I drove up to Maine. Yep. I talked to that's Maine a great Celtics one too. Check that one out too. The future yeah, of the Celtics you. runs through Maine. So check that and one out. And so, I wrote that out. That came out February 1st. I did it like le- like a little less than a week ago or a week before that, I would say. So like the end of January uh, and Simon, editor at Celtics Vlog, Simon Pollock, again, legend, could not have written the story without him. He, I, I at my first draft, you should have seen it. It was like 10,000 words of, no- of nothing. He got me cut it down. He's like, okay, let's give this a narrative. Let's, let's chill a little bit. Uh, so shout out to him. Uh, uh, wrangled me in. Um, he texted me after that. He was like, if you ever have any ideas, like, 
come to me. We'll figure it out. So I texted him maybe three days after the, the main story comes out because I am like itching to write something else. Cool. I had written a Derek white for defensive player of the year, like talking about his defense, how good it was earlier in the season. I was like, Simon, what if we write something about Derek white? And then I created the document, which is now I think like a hundred and seventy-two page Google Doc now. As <laughs> well, it's literally uh, enough. Let me check. It is sorry, hundred ninety-two, hundred ninety-two pages wow. Google Docs. Uh, I started that on February seventh, and then did all these interviews. I finished interviewing everybody like end of March ish started like transcribing quotes let me tell you transcribing quotes has to be my least favorite thing yeah, in the world <laughs> oh, my, how many people i interviewed how many people one two three four five six seven eight nine people for this i have like thousands and thousands and thousands of words of quotes like <laughs> took a long time <clears throat> finished the first draft like two weeks before it came out so like like two weeks ago at this point i guess um Got back, second draft done a week, and then another second draft. So, like, we were working on it, and we really started to ramp up in, like, the, the three to five days before it came out. And then we were like, Derek has just given us the perfect opportunity to release this, so let's just get it done and get it out because he, he popped off in games one and two, which is perfect. So, uh, yeah, it's February 7th, I think, is when I started the doc, and I had the idea a few days before that. Yeah, man, well, it's awesome that all that, all that work is, you know, been received so, so yeah well, like, and like i it, it, it speaks to like to Derek, right like he's just such a lovable dude like and the timing perfect very, yeah. rude, very rude of this other snot yeah. to not give us one more so Derek and the boys give us a big performance and we'll everybody we're gonna retweet their story yeah. and yeah. carry back on it yeah, from everywhere yeah um so before we wrap up here, Jack, I know you kind of hit us with a couple things that weren't in the piece, which I appreciate. And yeah. I warned you, I would be asking about, is there any other story or like, I wish I could have fit this in that you didn't already tell us. And if the answer is no, that's cool too. We'll just wrap it up and go home. Yeah, <laughs> no, there, there definitely is. I, I touched on it like very briefly in the piece, but it's something we had to cut out. Cause like we couldn't have had a novel on, on the self blog page. The board games thing, like the little piece about him loving board games, that was like way more than the piece. Like every single person I talked to unprompted, Derek White loves board games. He loves game shows. He's like, he's just super competitive and he yeah. loves board games. Alex Welsh said something along the lines of like, he'll be the first person to take out the rule book and read everybody the rules. So he knows he can come back and say, you did this wrong. I should win. Like there's that. So he's very competitive in that way. Uh, Corey Calvert, who's like his friend from middle school or something said like, something along the lines of we were playing video games one time to the point where we were both in tears talking so much trash to each other. So that was another awesome thing. Um, he also loves sports, like huge baseball fan. Uh, his dad, I'm sure as you know, is a big Red Sox guy. Um, the day he got drafted, he went to a Rockies game. So like, instead of just getting ready for the draft party, he was just like at a Rockies game with his friends, like chilling. So he did that. He wants to see something else. I heard from Josh Repine has remitted to you. He wants to see every MLB stadium when he retires. He wants to like go to every single MLB ballpark. That's cool. But the best like pure quote I have was from, I think Dan Hargrove and I'm probably mis like not remembering some because there's just so many. He told me something. Derek plays like softball in the offseason. Like he'll go play in this uh, Dan softball league. So like Dan is he was like an assistant coach when Derek got there, but he was like 23. So now they're like they're, they're pretty good friends now. <clears throat> something along the lines of he goes to play softball. And the quote he had was like, 
you have all of these. Oh, I got to find it. One sec, one sec. Sorry. <laughs> okay, perfect. The quote from Dan Hargrove. Uh, I, I basically asked him, like, do all the other people because he was talking about how Derek's like hitting home runs. He's like filthy at, at oh, software. Sure. Yeah. So I'm, I'm asking like, do they get mad that you just bring this absolute beast? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and Dan goes, they love it. I mean, it's beer league, so it's pretty docile, but it's cool. You see him over there. And I mean, he's kind of out of place. you got a bunch of five foot six to six foot dopey, <laughs> overweight ex athletes. And then you got a six foot four stud walking out and they're looking at their phones like, Oh, I think that is him. And they're taking pictures. <laughs> and so, I wish I could have included that, but there's just too much. But like him playing softball and him being competitive in the baseball, like those are some elements I couldn't include that I thought were great. You got to write like a director's <laughs> cut with the story. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like a follow up piece. Like here's all the other cool shit I didn't get oh, to include. <laughs> the other thing, this was another big thing we had to cut. Marcus Mason, again, his trainer uh, and, you know, mentor, he like started scouting or not scouting him, but like they, they linked up in, in when Derek was in middle school, he started training him. Apparently Derek, like kept track of all of the teams that like passed on him uh, when he's going mm. to see you. So he like listed him. He's like Metro state. He averaged like 30 against them. CSU Pueblo. <laughs> like he's listing off all these teams uh, that Derek knew. Um, so th- that was pretty fun too. I love that because again, right? Like you, you, you think of these guys with like the chip on their shoulders and it's like, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's the Pat bears, it's the Draymond green. You don't right? think of Derek. <laughs> They're psychos, but like, he's like a little psycho. He's just yep. a chill little psycho. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I absolutely love that. He's just like keeping track. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then, and what's great is that like 27 NBA teams passed over him. Thankfully mm-hmm. he can cross the Celtics off that list. Yes. Um, <laughs> he gave up a lot for you. Yeah. yeah, yeah mate. We love something, you. <laughs> something I saw while doing my research too, like Metro state was like really good. This is like in-depth research. These are like D2 teams. Uh, and like the the RMAX Rocky Mountain Athletic Conference, um, <clears throat> Metro State was like super good. I think it was them their first two years, and they didn't beat them. And then finally, in like Derek White's junior season, his last year at UCCS, he like exploded for like thirty five. Finally, beat Metro State. And I was like, oh, that would have been such a good story to put in there, but <laughs> some things got to get cut down. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely, man. Well, um, before we wrap up here, I would just like to put on the record that the Miami Heat are up 10 against the I know. five minutes in the second Woo! quarter. So I'm going to throw that <laughs> on after we do. But again, yeah, I, I cannot say it enough. Jack's story about Derek White, legend on Celtics blog. Thank it's you. really awesome. And go to Celtics blog daily to get all of the amazing <laughs> Celtics content that's up there. Um, so, Jack, thank you, dude. This was awesome. I had a lot of fun. Jake. In the words of Ben, love your work, mate. See you guys. (laughs) 